Hi, how's it going, everybody? And welcome to the Debutify podcast, the premier e-commerce podcast brought to you by Debutify. I'm your host, Alex Bond, and joining me today is Kimberly Aya, the owner and CEO of Fun Cakes, an innovative bakery and nationwide sensation that changed the way people think about party planning. After appearing on the hit show Shark Tank, Kimberly and Fun Cakes became an overnight success, including appearances on Good Morning America, The Today Show, Rachel Ray, CNN, and much more. After 16 years of running Fun Cakes, she sat down with me to discuss traditional marketing practices, what makes a good pitch, how to deal with expedited growth, and plenty more. Here's our interview now. Kimberly, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yes, we're extremely happy to have you on. So first off, why don't you tell me a little bit about your company, Fun Cakes? So I've been doing Fun Cakes for almost 16 years. My cakes are really fun because they're fake. I don't do any real cakes. I don't have an oven. I don't have a refrigerator. So we cover styrofoam with real fondant, and then we decorate it with either fresh flowers or handmade sugar flowers. So it's exactly the same that you're getting from your baker, probably even better because it's perfection is perfect because we have so much time. We're not in a rush. So then I ship them to you, ship them right to your door and they use them at weddings, place of a real cake. It's amazing. How did you come up with that idea? Well, I'd like to say that I was the genius, but I was not. So I was working on getting a bakery and I had to get, you know, permission to make it um, certified with a triple sink and a stove and an oven and the overhead woods. And so a bridal show was coming up in my town in Michigan. So I went and set up at the bridal show with fake cakes because that's what every bakery does. They go with fake cakes to show their work. And so I came back home from setting up and the realtor called me and started cussing at me. Like, when are you going to sign the beep beep lease? And what the beep are you waiting for? And it's like, this is called fun cakes. It's not called like piss off cake or cursing <laughs> cakes. Like, so when he stopped and took a breath, I'm like, I'm no longer interested in your building. So now I had to go to the bridal show with no location. I believe it was God's intervention because 95, 98% of the brides asked if they could just use my fake cakes that were on display. And I'm like, why would you do that? Like, what do you serve to your guests? How do you cut the cake and feed each other? And they taught me everything I needed to know. So I figured, you know what? The customer's right. The customer knows what they want. And my husband was stuck in a commercial building with offices for like two years. And he's like, go for it. Do it there. So that's how I started. And then six months later, I was like on the Today Show and on CNN, successful small business. And so I guess it was just the plan that had to go. No, that's amazing. And I want to talk about some of the television programs that you've been a part of. But before that, I want to kind of peel back the layer on this idea, how it how it kind of grew a little bit. So from your experience, this was how long ago is this? About 11, 12 years ago? It'll be 16 years in March. Okay, 16 the years, even show more than was I thought. 16 years ago in March. Yep. Okay, so interestingly enough, do you think that the the Fun Cakes brand's success predicated on an uptick in market interest? So for example, like these extravagant baking shows and other social media influencers who will like make these really wild looking cakes or, or even the TV show, Is It Cake, which is right. you know pretty serendipitous. Did you come up with this idea prior to that broader interest and you happen to get 
kind of lucky in the in the process of, you know, just the audience love to take in the last 16 years, you know? I personally, my gut feeling is because I've been a cake decorator my whole life and I owned a bakery in Europe. I think that the designs have gotten more detailed and more detailed and everybody wants the bigger, the better, the bigger, the better. Well, the cost comes with that then. It sure. is what it is. You know, the bakers have to earn money. Not only is it their product, but it's all the hours of making that. So I actually opened in 2007. 2007 was when we had that huge decline, the whole economy declined. And here's an alternative, finally, an alternative to a wedding cake. There was never an alternative. Your only alternative was cupcakes. Well, I'm sorry, but cupcakes belong at a birthday party. They don't belong at your wedding. They just don't. Having people peel the wrapper off at a wedding, no, absolutely not. So I think that was the timing that the economy was going down, the cake styles were going up, and I came along with this different alternative. So a little bit of right place, right time. I mean, that's that's pretty absolutely. amazing. Absolutely. Was it initially, I don't mean this to sound any certain way, but was, was it difficult to get people to kind of take this? idea in this model seriously when you were first starting up? I mean, what was that initial pitch process like? Were, were, were people like the realtor who was kind of like, you know, this isn't what I was asking for? How did that process look? Well, I have to say the very, very first problem was me. Okay. What? I'm not going to bake a cake. Like I'm going to be a baker and I'm going to do wedding cakes, but I'm not going to bake them. I had to work a lot in my own head on that. So I finally said, okay, I'm going to try it for a year. I'll just try it for a year. We'll see where we are in a year. And then I'll decide if I want to continue. Because to me, I was the worst customer. I just couldn't believe people were asking for that. And then part of the way that I got such incredible media was I just wrote my local newspaper. And I'm you have a business section. I'm a new business. You need to cover me. So they didn't really answer back. And I kept bugging them like, it is your job to cover me. I'm a new business. So then she finally, like after two weeks, did the most boring interview ever. And I'm like, okay, you're not getting it. Why don't you come see the cakes? Come to the shop, see the cakes and see how beautiful they are. So she came to the shop, like again, two weeks after that. Now we're like a month later than I had started. And she still didn't seem super interested. And I just kept nailing her. And I'm like, okay, so when's it going to go in the paper? When's it going to go? And they, so they're like, okay, Monday or Wednesday of next week. Okay. It wasn't there. The next week it wasn't there. And finally the third week I called like, what the hell, where is the article? And they're like, well, current business keeps happening. What does that mean? Current business keeps happening. I'm current, but Looking back, they waited till June. They waited till a June story and they put me on the front page in full color. So that was worth waiting for. Yeah, patience is a bit of a virtue. And exactly. and that's probably pretty good for wedding season too, you know? Exactly. I mean, I know people plan weddings before then, but I think having that premiere spot in June is like, Okay, now I know yep. what I want to do for my wedding this yep. this August or or whatever. So from my local newspaper, then it spread to the AP and it went worldwide. And it was a uh, six weeks to six months of craziness. I want to talk about that process too. We'll go in that direction and uh, I'll follow you down that thread. So you essentially got on the front page of your local paper, 
the AP picked that up and then you were getting pulled in a million directions. So you didn't really ever have to reach out to anyone else after that first local paper. Nope. And then we just started getting orders and orders and orders and orders because everybody's paper carried it. Every news talk was talking about it. It was talked on the Kelly and what is it? Regis. It just went crazy. Yeah. And I want to follow up on that a little bit. So with that, I mean, that that sounded like it happened very quickly. How were you able to sustain that sort of growth over time with such premier marketing status and notoriety? I mean, other people would be paying a lot of money and throwing a lot of lines out to get that sort of marketing that you got with some gumption and, and one phone call, essentially, it sounds like. So how were you able to sustain that growth that happened so quickly? At that time, it was Craigslist. Okay, so Craigslist, you could put post a job there. So I posted it under artists. And I said, give me four hours a day minimum. Choose any day you want to work. I'm going to teach you the medium. And all these people showed up. <laughs> that is so cool. I just taught them. Like, this is how we do it. And then, of course, local cake decorators started hearing that that time they were teaching cake decorating classes like at Hobby Lobby and Michael's. So all those instructors came to me. So they helped me teach. And then I had, you know, two mottos in my shop. One is we're fun cakes. We're not bitchy cakes. So leave all your problems at the door. Just come in and have fun. And when you leave, you can pick up your problems. And then my second rule was, if you're really good, you make that other person really good. Don't you be like, oh, look at me. Aren't I wonderful as the other person sucks? No, you make them just as good. So we had an amazing team and we did every single order. It was crazy. So you didn't miss a single order. That's so cool. Not one. Not one. That is amazing. I mean, that's that's like a tradi- pretty traditional like. American grassroots business story. And 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 I, I appreciate your passion with it. And, you know, one of the things that I hear that I really appreciate is when you're talking about that first year where you said you had to almost like emotionally disconnect from it. Like you, you had to let the idea be bigger than you. And I think I, I've talked with a couple of people on this show about it. And that's something that I think people struggle with uh, initially with a business is this is my brainchild and I want to do everything to make it the best version that it can be. But it turns into a bit of micromanagement and helicopter parenting of molding this idea to be what I want it to be instead of what it's supposed to be and and let it kind of be itself. What was that process like? Did you have to kind of like try some things out that didn't really work or, or did it kind of go in its own little direction? I mean, was your first idea, for example, to call people on Craigslist and it happened to work or, or were there some other things that you had to try that didn't really work successfully and take yourself out of the equation a little bit? Well, when I came home, the bridal show was a three-day bridal show, which is kind of unusual. They don't have them that long anymore. So it was like Saturday, Friday evening, all day Saturday, all day Sunday. So when I came home from that show and told my husband that they all want to use my fake cakes, and I don't know what that means, and I don't even know how I would do that. Well, he's an engineer. So he's like, well, we can ship them. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like we can ship these. And he goes, oh, yeah. So he showed me exactly how we were going to put it all together and ship them. Well, thank goodness, because six weeks later, you know, it had blown up. 
but I was able to ship them. So I think really the only thing we changed, like we started with a wooden box thinking, you know, it's got to be perfect and locked in and like, don't mess up my cake. Where now we just ship them in cardboard boxes and we bought a machine that does like those pillows so we can put those pillows all the way around it. So FedEx turns it upside down sideways. Nothing happened. It was really scary, the shipping part in the beginning. And I remember the first cake we shipped was to California and I was in Michigan. And so, but the couple was really cool. And I told them like, I don't really know what I'm doing. You are my guinea pig. And they're like, love to be your guinea pig. It all worked out. I mean, as I say, I truly believe God intervention because I couldn't have put all those pieces together. I couldn't. They just fell together. And I really think, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm cutting you off. I really think that people are more willing to work with you, Kimberly, because they see, one, they see you on TV. Two, they they then hear you on the phone and it's the exact same person. You know, your audio matches your video is, is a quote I've heard in the past. It's a Thank sincere you. authenticity. And I can imagine you. you do some marketing, but it's you. So it's like you are the brand versus a lot of brands have to cater their entire identity around a, you know, marketing team that's conscientiously cured and cultured. And it sounds like in, in this scenario, you are that team and people really respond to that. Well, is that something that kind of went through your head with this process or that's just, you know, another great fortune that you fell into? Well, I'm definitely a people person. Sure. I, I can see that. <laughs> definitely a people person. I cannot live alone up on a mountain in the country. Like, shoot me. No, I'm a people person. I love people and I love people that are different, like as different from me as possible because you can teach me something I don't know. I think the only problem I really had was I was always, I mean, I owned a bakery in Europe. Like, what do you mean I'm not going to like mix cake batter and bake it? And I had the hardest time with me, but I thought the customer's right. You know, if 95% of the brides at a bridal show ask for that, then you need to give them that. So we'll figure it out as we go. And I do sort of most of my life as, We'll figure it out as we go, because, for instance, I thought this meeting was tomorrow. So welcome to my life. So <laughs> we winged this at the last minute. Well, you made it. And again, that, that keeps it more authentic. It keeps it moving, keeps your answers honest. So I, I want to kind of talk about That's me. continue on your television experience. So another enviable experience that you got to have is being on Shark Tank, right? So what was that process like? How was that experience? Are there any notable insights that you gained from that? Um, it is a long process. I highly recommend to somebody, if you don't have six months of your life to devote to Shark Tank, don't oh, wow. do it. Okay. It is tons and tons of work. So I love Shark Tank. I love the idea of Shark Tank. I knew they weren't our people that we were going into grocery stores, there's no grocery store shark. So unless somebody wants to hop on board a grocery store chain, I didn't see us ever getting a deal. But what I liked about going on was if you say that I do cakes, they're like, oh, that's nice. Cute. Yeah. And you're like, no, 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 no. Like I'm a really bu- I'm a real business. I do cakes. And they're like, oh, isn't that cute? Sure. 
Like, okay, I'm not Betty Crocker here, folks, even though Betty Crocker did really well. <laughs> you know, like I, I have been on Shark Tank. And then they're like, oh, so you're a real business. So that's what it did for me. It gave me that the validation that I'm a real company. And that's why we went. Plus, it would be a lot of fun. Um, so everything I had read about Shark Tank was getting your product noticed is the hardest thing. Getting through that first step of what you have. So I just made a cake. I made a cake with all shark fins on it and waves on it. And I put all the judges because who has a bigger ego than the sure. judges? <laughs> yeah. To see them sitting on a cake, they're thrilled. So I filled out the paperwork that was online. I sent the cake. I saw it was delivered. And then two hours later, I get a phone call and they're like, so how did you get this address? How did you know to send it here? And I'm like, it's online. Like go to abc.com. It's online. And they're like, okay, well, you made it. So who are you working with? And I'm like, you tell me. I just started. So I instantly, I got on as soon as that cake was delivered. Because who does this? Who does fake cakes? Like nobody. And a little bit of guerrilla marketing can go a long way too. Yeah, they love their cake. And it was on the show. Of course it was. Unfortunately, I didn't get a deal, but I think, like I said, they, they weren't grocery store sharks. I think that was the biggest problem. Also, it's a huge different idea. You have to teach the people what you do. It's not just like one cool thing and everybody gets it. You know, they don't get it. And then the sharks themselves are super rich. They don't understand where $3,000 for a wedding cake is expensive. They just dumbfoundedly did not understand that. Like you're getting married. So what? A wedding cake's $3,000. And I'm like, but most people can't afford $3,000. So they didn't get that part of it. And because in, in your in your business model, there's kind of like, I see it as an equation. You know, a lot of people say, what sort of problem is my product solving? And yours is, it's saving you money at the end of the day. And, and that's like the real product. That's the real solution is, it saves you money. And I think getting to that via cakes, people have a hard time calculating that equation. So I want to ask you what, what sort of advice you would give to someone who struggles with finding the right way to pitch their product or idea. I mean, you had to do it on national television. You probably had to do it plenty of other times outside of that. So what sort of advice could you give to our listeners who might struggle with uh, pitching their idea? Well, it has to be more than price. I mean, you can't just say, you should buy my product because it's less money. Well, no, especially when you're getting married. When you're getting married, usually whatever their budget is, they blow it anyways. Like, you know, you have to give them the advantages. Why? So I save money. But what's the advantages? So for me, like if you're getting married in Florida, your cake is going to melt, isn't it? So with mine, it's not going to melt. A tear is not going to slip over. A tear is not going to fall off. Most of the people now, they want six, seven, eight tiered cakes. Well, you don't have enough guests for six, seven, eight tiered cake. So why would you spend all that money on a real cake that could all fall and crash and whatever when I'm going to give you the same thing and then you're going to have fresh sheet cakes in the back? You will serve fresh cake. A wedding cake, people don't understand this, but a wedding cake is about five days old by the time it gets to the wedding. Wow, you no, know, I didn't know that. On, well, it's baked on Wednesday. It's crumb coated on Thursday. And now Friday, we're going to start decorating it. And Saturday, we're going to deliver it. So where's that cake been sitting all that time? 
Plus, it has to be a heavy cake. It has to be because, you know, it's notorious that wedding cakes taste terrible. Well, because they have to be a heavy pound cake to hold the weight of the fondant. Now I'm going to let you serve fresh buttercream sheet cakes from your Costco or grocery store. So you have to explain more than just cost, but also where I really explain it is that we're going to spend hours on your cake. We don't have one day to flip it out. We've got five, six days to flip it out. We're going to take the time to make sure it's absolutely perfect. And you're not going to get that with a real baker because they have how many cakes going out? Well, I can imagine in some like cities, maybe more rural areas, I don't know, flyover states, they might not be able to have the quick access to something of your caliber, of your quality level, you know, so that ability to ship a cake is, is probably a huge advantage as well. So you primarily do wedding cakes, but you also do plenty of other events i imagine so what what, what's kind of the coolest venue that your your cake has been in so if you had asked me this question like last fall right i would tell you the coolest thing event that i was was at the plaza in new york city that was pretty cool and that was a really awesome cake that i made but in december I did Mar-a-Lago and I never really thought one of my cakes would go to Mar-a-Lago. So I was like, and I'm in Florida. So I'm like, I'll deliver it because it's like, I want to see Mar-a-Lago and see all that gold and the marble sure. and see my cake there. I mean, those are the two coolest locations I've done. But besides, you know, like our cake was in the Hangover movie. We just did a cake for um, Netflix. We're really awesome for Hollywood because they can put all the lights on it and they can film and film and film for three days and nothing happens to our cake. We're a real cake. They can't do that. But I'd have to say, looking back, besides the hangover, I would say we did a, a launch for MAC Cosmetics. So MAC Cosmetics came out with a makeup line called Baking Beauty, and they wanted cakes and so they first emailed me like can you make us one cake and we're going to make a mold of it I'm like okay why are you going to make a mold of it and they're like we don't know we were just told find a fondant cake and we'll make a mold of it so I'm like so what are you going to do with a mold and they're like well we need 350 cakes I'm like okay so why don't you just order 350 cakes and they're like can you do that and I'm like of course we can So then they come back and they're like, okay, how long would that take you? So I calculate it all. And I'm like, we need like six weeks to two months to do that. And they're like, okay, you got three weeks. And I'm like, no problem. And we got them all done. Because again, I went back to Craigslist, went back to artists on Craigslist. And if the people showed up, they were hired. They just needed to show up. Yeah. Have you have you been able to retain these people from Craigslist? I mean, do they oh, do they keep coming back? I assume. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, because they're artists themselves. Like I had a lady that was a welder, but she wants and she only welds like recyclable metal things, so she needs to go out and buy all that yeah. stuff. So I was perfect. Come to me, work four hours, go search for your metal the other four hours. So and we're all still friends on Facebook. So I can always call them up. They'll always come back. That's amazing. Plus, I think a lot of, for me, you have the, where I feel the the most, the closest to is the stay-at-home moms. You know, stay-at-home moms do the most important job ever. 
but they do have a couple hours every day, you know, where the house has been cleaned, the laundry's done, the dinner's ready, the kids are off to school. So to pull them in and be able to use them for four hours a day, they're so thrilled that they have a job, but yet they can leave and go pick up the kids from school. Or if the kids are sick, they don't need to come. So that's always been the type of person I've pushed myself to the most because I think it is important their job, but they they want to do more. I get it. That's amazing. That's really cool. I want to know specifically, maybe peel back the layer, no sort of pun intended, how much money a person can save when when purchasing a fun cake and, and we'll say also a, a sheet cake at the same time to serve at a, at a wedding or event as opposed to a decadent real cake. So what's what's essentially... You know, my savings, if I decided to go with fun cakes versus, you know, some other decadent real cake company. Cakes are priced by slice. Okay. So you go to a baker, we got 200 people at our wedding. So she figures out how many tiers you need to serve 200 people. Okay. A normal baker, especially with, a, I, I don't know exactly current because eggs have gone like crazy, but- I would say between three and four dollars a slice for a buttercream cake and between five and seven dollars a slice for a fondant cake. Okay, so let's look at fondant cakes because that's all I really pretty much do is fondant cakes. So they're looking between five and seven dollars a slice. Now that's I mean, in New York City, you can get twenty five dollars a slice, but I'm like, you know, nationwide average and I'm like three dollars a slice. So I'm less than half. So you save a lot. That's and then amazing. I encourage everybody to go to Costco to get their sheet cakes. Costco has delicious cakes. It's a two-tiered cake, like, you know, with filling in the middle versus like just a flat sheet cake with buttercream on top. It's got the layer in the middle. I highly recommend it. Yeah, as long as it tastes good at that point, right? I mean, it doesn't right. need to look, it doesn't need so to look from good seven, anymore. Five to $7 to $3, I'm saving them half. Yeah. 50%. Minimum. Oh, that's amazing. So do, do you find that clients appreciate kind of the novelty of a faux cake and they actually tell their guests about the reality of their cake <laughs> or does that kind of defeat the purpose a little bit? So I've done other interviews like this one and they want to hear from the brides. And so I'll start going to the brides and it's pretty much 50, 50, 50, 50% I are like, no way anyone at that wedding is going to know that that cake is fake. There's no way. And then the other 50% are like, well, yeah, look at all the money I saved. I'm like a genius. I'll tell everybody. So it's two completely different mind frames. But what I have found this year, because, you know, with COVID, we really, really hurt. I mean, there was barely any parties in any weddings, in any birthdays or quinceaneras or anything. So I just hung in there because I absolutely love what I do. And we had to downsize our location and we had to do a lot of things to, you know, cope with COVID. But now I'm getting brides calling me going, the venue told me to get a fake cake. And I'm like, really? Wow. So in 16 years, we've gone from what? Why would you do that? To now venues saying, yeah, I think you should get a fake cake because it's so much easier for the venue. They don't have to worry the temperature is absolutely perfect in that room. Nobody bumps that, that table. We have to have a talented person that knows how to take all those tears off, cut all those, you know, cake slices. Now they're charging to plate them. They're charging like a dollar 
25 just to cut it and put it on a plate. Mm -hmm. So you have that cost on top. When it's more, it's more time consuming too. I can imagine having to go through and cut every single slice, then hand out every single slice versus kind of like someone during can can cut the Costco cake. And then by the time cake's ready, they just deliver it. Exactly. Ta-da. So now that's where I have noticed since January they're all calling, going, my venue told me to get a fake cake. We think it's a great idea. I'm like, so do I. So do I, yeah. <laughs> so business, I would say, yeah, I'm glad we made it through COVID. Yeah, and you're definitely still here. You're still still thriving. Before we wrap up, I wanted to ask ask you, I always end the interview with essentially a question about how business owners, people in e-commerce are operating, you especially, 24-7, 365 which is with very little downtime, but I think it's extremely important to promote a healthy work-life balance and stable mental health that people have free time to explore hobbies and interests so that they're not totally professionally based. So um, Kimberly, what what are some of the things that you do in your free time to promote a healthy work-life balance? Well, before I did Fun Cakes, I was a visual designer at um, department stores. So the one job started at six in the morning. I'm not a morning person. Me neither. The other one started at eight in the morning. Still wasn't much better. So when I opened up Fun Cakes, I thought we're going to do it my way because it's my business. So my hours are 11 to six so that I can get up whenever I'd like to get up and I can go work out. I can get the house organized and then I go to work at 11. And I work 11 to 6. So I eat at my desk or my decorating table, whatever. So I'm still got a seven-hour day. But if we're super swamped, then I'll go in an hour early. Then I'll go in 10 to 6. So, and a lot of like the sugar flowers and stuff like that, I can make those at home. I can, you know, like you're just wrapping them. I can wrap them while watching TV. But I have been very insistent. It's 11 to 6, Monday through Friday not available Saturday and Sunday. If you call me at 10 a.m., not going to answer you. Nope. And I'm also, I've also noticed since COVID, like pre-COVID, if you got an email answered immediately, you better have everything spelled properly. You better have answered everything. Like you better have your A game on. Now, since COVID, everybody's like, yeah, get to me whenever. Thanks I think you're totally that. right. Yeah. And I love it. I love it. I think we've all become human since COVID. We've all slowed down. We've all like, let's smell the roses. Let's enjoy life. I think there's definitely a less, less like professional pressure. I think there's definitely a a gratitude for like, there's things more important than making sure that an email is double and triple checked for typos and, and, you know, dangling particles or whatever, you know? Yeah. And if you're a morning person, then make your hours six in the morning to two. Why not? And then have your whole afternoon free. I mean, you're always going to squeeze that extra hour of your eight-hour day. But I just think that you, you're you not going to last 16 years. You're not going to last 16 years through COVID if you don't love what you do. I love it. You're just not. I could totally agree. And I'm, I'm on your 
page. I'm definitely closer to like a, a 10 to five, you know, I'm, I'm also a night owl. So I'll do a lot of work from like midnight to 3am sometimes if I'm being honest, because I know I'm just going to be up at that point anyway. I'm definitely a night owl. <laughs> no distractions, right? Well, and I think most people are night owls. Artistic people are night owls. I really believe that. The engineers and the physicians are that, you know, morning, we got to go. And the rest of us are sort of like, yeah, whatever. I'll get there. I'll get there when I get there. <laughs> well, well, Kimberly, it's been an absolute blast talking with you. Thank you for coming to the Thank show. You. Good luck with the rest of um, Fun Cakes' success. All right. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Have a good one. All right. Bye-bye. I'd like to thank my guest, Kimberly Aya, for joining me on the show and join us on Thursday when I talk with Billy Price, the co-founder of Billy Footwear, about his shoe company that implements a universal design inspired by Billy's personal story. For more information about Kimberly, you can connect with her on LinkedIn. To learn more about Fun Cakes, you can check out their website, cakerental.com, or follow them on Facebook at Cake Rental, on Twitter at Fun Cakes Rental, or on Instagram at Fun Cakes underscore LLC. That's our show. Thanks for joining us. And we hope you come back to find new episodes being published every Tuesday and Thursday. Until then.